Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Happy Notre Dame week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the only podcast. This week, Chris Fanini and myself, Dom Garrett, give you everything you need to know about Notre Dame. Uh, we break down offenses, defenses. We talk about game predictions, how we like the series, whether Rudy was a good movie. We even throw in a little bit of extra talk about Central and Western Michigan. So hope you guys like it. Let's do this. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Only Podcast. My name is Chris Vanini, and I'm joined by The Only Colors Managing Editor, Dom Garrett. And we've got an actual interesting football game. Fun. Holy cow, what a, what a thought. It's been, it's been, a, it's been since, uh, since New Year's Eve, since it was an actual <laughs> interesting game, really. And six weeks of camp with one game in there, a bye week. That's, uh, that's man, that's going to be weird next week if they open up with that bye. What are you even like talk? What are we even talk about week one? I don't. I don't know. But um, uh, uh, places, places on Michigan State's campus to watch the other football games yeah. that are going on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, they need to. Uh, yeah, I know Mark House is trying to fix that, and uh, I think it would be best if he does. But so we've got Notre Dame Woo! to talk about this. We uh, last week we recapped Furman. Also, before we start, I want to remind everybody we have a new RSS feed for the podcast. If you want to get the automatic downloads and everything, if you want to subscribe, uh, you have to research or re-look up uh, The Only Colors, uh, The Only Podcast. It's the one with the new logo, or the current logo. It has Dom and my, uh, Dom's and my name on it. Uh, we moved everything to a new thing. It's a lot easier this way. It's also on SoundCloud if you're listening to it on the site. So, and, if you wanna, and if you want to complain, just blame, blame KJ because he's the one that broke it all. So. No, well, Jim. Jim. Oh, actually, yeah, blame Jim. Jim was the one who was hosting it, uh, doing the hosting, and he eventually closed up shop on that, and we'd been kind of yeah. using it for a while. So, But this is way easier. Dom's done a good job moving that all over, getting us our nice intro music. And so it's it's uh, we're continuing the new era of the only podcast. So please resubscribe to that. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. I've gotten some feedback already. Appreciate all of that. Uh, and hope this is... Uh, Good. Hope you guys like listening to it. So, uh, also, Dom has been all over the podcast circuit this week, talking to several Notre Dame podcasts about this game. Dom, tell them some. Uh, you, you, if you subscribe to the podcast, you may have already heard him on on one podcast that featured the actual Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, the uh, actual, so, the 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 real real life Jimmy. Clausen. Yeah. So, Dom, tell them a couple different places where you were this week if they want to hear you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I recorded um, I recorded one for it's uh, the new Notre Dame Network. It's actually on our SoundCloud, and that's in the podcast feed. So if you saw something that popped up that sounded a little funny this week, that was that. Um, and then I also was on Mark Rogers TV. He is a uh, he's actually an ESPN uh, segment producer, and he has his own little YouTube show. So I was there previewing the game. And then I just did a uh, another one today uh, for Irish Sports Daily, um, and then answered some questions for uh, One Foot Down, the uh, the Sports Nation uh, blog for Notre Dame. So yeah, we were we were all over the place. And... Yeah, and I yeah, and I answered some questions for the NBC Notre Dame site. So only colors is everywhere, and you we're can taking read... over the world, baby. But also make sure you read everything that's up on theonlycolors.com because there's always a lot of good stuff. Obviously, Dom's put together a good uh, 
good team on all that. So now we're going to talk preview Notre Dame. But before we get into the game yeah. specifics, this is a um, – what are your favorite Notre Dame-Michigan State moments? Because there's a lot of them. This is a series that dates back to before 1900, I think. Uh, it was a big part of MSU getting in the Big Ten, and MSU is more often than not on the losing side of these. Uh, but there was a stretch where they won six in a row on the road. A lot of interesting moments over the last 20 years. When you think Michigan State and Notre Dame, Dom, what do you think? I mean, it's it's interesting because I don't go immediate recency bias. I mean, one of the things that I first think about is obviously the Little Giants. Um, by the way, wasn't to delay a game. So yeah, they yeah they asked you about that. I know. On, on Every the everybody asked about it. You Notre know Dame what? fans are not happy about. That. No, they weren't, and. Um, you know, I I think about uh, I think about the double OT game in two thousand five. I think about you know two thousand ten. Um, the the game that I also think about a lot because I've actually been doing a lot of reading on it is is the the nineteen sixty six tie as well. Um, you know, it's called the game of the century. Where you know it feels kind of interesting. I love round numbers, and this is year fifty since that. Um, you know, Drew Sharp just put out a, an article talking, you know, for the the, the uh, free press, talking about how this is the biggest game in that rivalry. Um, there's a lot that's going to be on this one, so I think that we have a chance to do something special here. But, yeah, I mean, it's probably, I mean, between, between 66 and Little Giants, I would say that's really where it goes for me. How about you? What are you, I know that you wanted me to ask some different questions to, to Jimmy Clausen because <laughs> of a different game that you covered. <laughs> well, I, I guess the, the three ones I think of, uh, well, I probably think of four moments game moments or games instead. Of. One is the 66 game, and, and this is the 50th anniversary of that game. That's yeah, awesome. And um, I've been curious if they're going to break out a throwback helmet like mm. they did. I saw you talking about this on Twitter. Which, which they did, which is the next moment, is that 2006 game. The rainstorm, MSU blows the big lead uh, while wearing those very, very nice throwback helmets. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious if they might bring back those because those uh, were very nice. And be, it being the 50th anniversary, it, it, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if these teams do something to honor that in some sort of way or at least um, reference it. What do you think? Uh, what do you think D'Antonio thinks about all that kind of stuff? Like, do you think that he really pays a lot of credence to like 50th anniversary and has the guys like all pumped up for that? Like, well, he's a—I mean, he's a guy who's always appreciated the history of Michigan State. I mean, from his opening press conference, he talked about the the historic rivalries, the historic games, the historic players, and embracing the history of Michigan State. Because when he came, it had been 40 years since they really had much history to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I think I think. I mean, I think so. I don't know if they'll do anything or not. In terms of uniforms and stuff, I don't think he really cares. I, I heard he doesn't. He didn't like those alternate jerseys that had the white shoulders on top of the green. But then again, they've also worn those 2011 bronze jerseys. They wore those alternate yeah. last year with the bronze helmet. So he maybe have a different tone on, on uniforms now. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's his call or maybe someone else's call. I wouldn't be surprised if they have. Uh, little helmet change, little helmet tweak. I think would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it would be. It's it's always a nice little, nice nice little yeah. to so you know it, just sort of livens it up, gets the guys a little bit more fired up than normal. So yeah. And speaking of that '66 um, game, I, I found today if you go to SpartanWire.wordpress.com, um, the site had a really interesting blog post on the prop uh, a leaflet drop. Um, on campus, uh, Notre Dame and Michigan State fans like dropping leaflets on each other's campuses, and, and one of them referenced uh, um, uh, the uh, the atomic bomb drop, <laughs> which, which seemed a little intense, especially since it at the time had only been twenty years. It had only been twenty years later. That's, yeah, that, I think that qualifies under the too soon category. <laughs> well, that was interesting, but I, there's some interesting stuff on some of the leaflets down there if you want to watch it. So. 2006 game is another one that I think about, and then uh, Little Giants, 2010. But also one of my favorite moments from the rivalry was 2009. I covered this game for the State News, 
And it was when Golden Tate caught a long touchdown from Jimmy Clausen uh, in the back of the end zone. He was streaking, and it's very tight down there at Notre Dame Stadium. Not a lot of room on the sidelines. And as he caught it, he was running. The Michigan State band was right there. I don't know if you, you may have seen this, or you may have not. But as he gets to the band, it's hard for him to slow down. He jumps up and spreads his arms like as far wide as he can and just jumps and crashes into the band in the corner. And it was just the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. I was because it like looks on one hand, you know, he, it was hard for him to stop. On the other, it was a very weird way of going about it. I don't know if anyone's ever asked him about it. He plays for the Lions now, and if I ever covered a Lions game, I'd want to go <laughs> ask him about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and someone on YouTube a while back uh, put that highlight set to "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Yeah, that's actually so. So the guy, so Patrick Sullivan, the the writer for One Foot Down, that sent me a bunch of questions. He gave me a bonus question that was basically asking, um, asking if. If I thought that uh, the new guy, the, I, I forget how to say his name, um, but the uh, the the wide receiver for Notre Dame, um, Aquinamanius, yeah, St. Brown, he asked me what I thought uh, if I thought that that was also going to happen if he was going to if he was going to do that in this game, and he was like, just in case you don't remember the play, and he sent me not only the total clips of the heart version, but one set to Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball. Which I I will be honest, I chuckled at both of them, but uh, yeah, I really hope the I, I really hope nobody decides to swan dive into the band. You know that video was actually taken down from YouTube uh, a while back because I remember one time looking for it and it being gone. I was so disappointed, but it's it's um, it's still there. It's back up somehow. It got back up. It's yeah. very fun. It's very weird. <laughs> It's very funny. Yeah, I, uh, he was saying that there was some people that sold Air, Air Golden shirts <laughs> out of their dorm rooms after that happened. So it was, it was, yeah, just very, very weird. So yeah, uh, where were so, you? Yeah. Where were you? Like, were you in the press box for this game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the press box for that game. I did also go to the 2011 game in the stands, and that was an adventure on its own because we had bought tickets for uh, me, my wife, her dad, and my dad, and. From StubHub and StubHub in the mail instead sent us Notre Dame Boston College tickets and through eventually working it out with StubHub we ended up getting better seats for cheaper so that was nice and that was an interesting experience have you ever been to South Bend for a game I've not been to South Bend for a game um it, it's well a very... I've been there while a game's been going on but I've never actually been inside okay of, of, of the stadium so okay yeah it's 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 a very interesting experience, and now it's, it's different now because I know that they're putting up the renovated the stadium. They have astroturf on the field. They play music now, but back when I had gone, they hadn't done that yet. But um, the fans there were so nice. Like it, it really, it really, you hear that a lot, and and it may be different for other teams. It may be different for Michigan or teams that they actually hate. But I couldn't get over how nice the fans were, how nice the ushers were. Um, everybody there was 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 real nice. Fans we sat next to were real nice, and that was something I took away from that. And I've I've heard that before about Notre Dame, um, about uh, about games there. So if anybody's going down and hasn't been down, it, it's a, it's a pretty fun experience. It's fun to get there early. Although this is going to be a night game, so I guess it's not too difficult to get there early. But get there early, see all the pageantry and all the stuff the band does was 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 pretty cool. So. Um, I mean that's the type of stuff that you get, you know. Like this it, isn't, it's, this it's isn't a Furman game. This is right. this is Michigan State. This is Notre Dame. This is renewing a rivalry. This is the fifty years of the greatest game in the century. Like it's gonna, it's it's just going to be a really good weekend. And 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 like in a game at Notre Dame is college football. And True. and True. and it, it's and the other thing is. Um, every year for coaching search, I, I'll put together a list of like the most expensive games based on the cheapest ticket available on StubHub. And Notre Dame games are always expensive. Like, oh, yeah. Every single time. Like, people people cracking them saying they're not a national brand, yada, yada, yada. This is a team in the middle of nowhere, Indiana that has the most expensive tickets generally in college football because it's still such a... It means so much to so many people and that's why they still have a television contract with NBC because they are a national brand. They can go play Washington State and San Antonio and have a big crowd. They can play in Maryland. They can play in Chicago. 
they can play. I think they played Miami and Chicago a few years back. I don't know, but um, with their Shamrock Series games, it's very fascinating to see. You don't totally realize just how big of a following, yeah, they have. Especially when, especially when you consider nowadays when you're on the internet all the time and oh, everybody's got a lot of fans. But when you get to the older fans, and Notre Dame's got so many of those, and it's just it's a really fun experience going to Notre Dame. I'd I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, and actually, you, you know, you were talking about that. I pulled this up. Um, I I had some. Um, this uh, this guy named Jake Sharpless over at Ruckus actually sent me some stuff earlier this year talking about the 20 most expensive Big Ten games for this year. And uh, number one, and, and this was like from early August after tickets have been sold. He did like the averages for, for what's been sold. Mm-hmm. Um, number one was Oklahoma versus Ohio State, which is coming up this upcoming weekend as well. Uh, number two was the Wisconsin LSU game, both of which are, you know, obviously really big games mm-hmm. like that. Number three is Notre Dame versus Michigan State. At, mm-hmm. at like an average price like 442 a ticket so yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it, it's up Notre there. Dame tickets are expensive yeah it's like i said it's it's crazy so but it's a really fun experience i'd recommend oh, yeah. it to anybody who goes down there so all right now now we got a game to actually actually talk about and last time we had talked we talked about Notre Dame a little bit they had, they were coming off the loss to Texas they had since played Nevada and handled them pretty well uh, they've got their quarterback into Sean Kaiser they seem to have settled on him for the most part. Um, they've had some injury. Their defensive backs have been kind of banged up. They lost another one, Sean, Sean Crawford, I think, for the year, which is which is a blow to an already thin secondary. The receivers are a bit unex, inexperienced, but Torrey Wilson Jr. should be coming back after he suffered a concussion in the Texas game. So, Dom, which you're, which, which yeah. let me just let me ask you this really quick: Was yeah. that hit targeting or was it not targeting? What is oh, your it, it, it was targeting Thank because you. it was it was a hit to the head. It doesn't have to be helmet to helmet. That's the problem is people think targeting is helmet to helmet. It's not. It's a shot to the head. You can hit a guy with a sh- in the head with your shoulder. It's still targeting, and that's what it was. Thank you. And and I, I was I was surprised they didn't call it on the field. I was also surprised that a new rule this year in college football is um, replay boots can can call to review targeting plays that may have been missed on the field, and they didn't even do that. And he was down on the field for like five minutes or something like that. They didn't review it at all. I was very surprised at that. Yeah, um, how, how how can you have a dude just like knocked out in the end zone of a game like that and not review it? Like that's just – that just doesn't make any sense. That's what separates college from the pros is that you can go back and do that review. Do the review, refs. Like come on now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Torrey Jr., Torrey Hunter Jr., son of former Tigers player Torrey Hunter, should be back. Um. Uh, your thoughts on this Notre Dame personnel and what you've seen from them uh, through two games? Um, I think that I think they have a very very good football team. Um, they played a Texas team that didn't really specialize in defense and just ended up you know just burning the barn faster than they did. Um, or you know like essentially just had the ball last and was able to do that. Uh, I think that. Brian Kelly would be foolish um, to put anybody other than Deshaun Kaiser behind center. Um, the way that he's been playing this year, he's playing so much better. Uh, I know it's only two games, and one of them is against Nevada. Uh, but looking at what he is able to do um, with the football in the air and then also with his feet is just amazing to me. Uh, you know, against Nevada, he had like an 83% completion percentage. Yeah, 13 for 15. It, it was, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 15 for 18. It's 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 like just wild what he was able to do with that. And then if you take a look, I mean, just two touchdowns. He did throw the interception, which brought down his QBR. But you look at what he was able to do against Texas, the fact that he was able to have five touchdowns in the air, not only that, but run for 77 yards, put one in with his feet too. Um like he is a very very dangerous quarterback, and I'm like I'm really trying to think of like quarterbacks that we are going to face moving forward outside of Ohio State. Um, like we're not really going to see anybody that's like totally like this, and I think that you know he keeps going on this tear. Like we could start hearing him in like Heisman conversations. So personnel wise, he is the one that frightens me the most. Um, obviously, if they are able to get uh, if they are able to get Torrey Hunter Jr. Um, back. He brings a lot to it. Um, you know, we were talking about St. Brown earlier as well. 
Um, and then I've had a couple of people sort of chirping in my ears, and I've been looking, and he hasn't really had anything like necessarily break out. Um, but if you're you, we're gonna have to pay attention to Josh Adams too. Like he was able to put up 106 yards um, on only 10 attempts against Nevada. Uh, Texas kind of held him to not very not a lot, but that game was so high scoring, it's not a surprise they had a lot of running there. Um, he he has the ability to to actually be able to make us pay. But, you know, as far as the defense goes, you know, personnel that side, obviously, you know, we're talking about uh, the loss that they had to Sean Crawford. Um, you know, you had Redfeld and Butler. They were both out for, you know, different reasons. Um, you know, Nick Coleman is a young sophomore. Uh, <laughs> it sort of has a feel of, you know, not as strong as a linebacking core, but sort of has a feeling to, like, our defense. We're like, I know that they're pretty good with safety and you could be comfortable there, but there is definitely a side of the secondary that we should be picking on. And and that's the side that Nick Coleman's on. So you know that we're gonna be looking over to that side, um, you know, with either with Medeiros or with uh or with Corley to try to take advantage of that uh that matchup. Yeah, and and uh, we'll get into the matchup in a second. Yeah. And Kaiser, um yeah, Kaiser. I thought freshman year, he even freshman year two, he was he's very very poised in the pocket. He does not panic back there very much at all. He, he's calm back there. He can he can he can move in the pocket. He can get out of the pocket. He can run. He can hit all the throws. Uh, just a very very impressive dude. And and he looks even he looks even better last year. I mean, he almost he 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 had them in a position to possibly make the playoff if not for. If not for uh, that loss of Stanford at the end, they were they were in the mix. They were, I mean, they were in the discussion, and, and he did that as a freshman. That was that yeah. was um, remarkable. I, I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they throw in Malik Zaire a little bit. I have to imagine MSU will maybe check to check to run check to run defense <laughs> if, if that's the case. He's only thrown a handful of times, and he seems to be the run first option. But Kaiser's really good. I expect him to to really pick on this MSU secondary and it'll be interesting to see if the wide receivers how the wide receivers can handle that yeah um going in interesting to say too like I'm looking at I'm looking at the stats so far like Kaiser is actually the second the um as far as carries go he has the second most carries and the third most yards uh for (laughs) for Notre Dame this year and the most rushing touchdowns as well so I mean he's he's just a dangerous dude back there I mean nine total touchdowns and only one pick in two games like He's been. He, they would have been balling out. They would have won. They would have beaten Texas if, if if they didn't waste those possessions with Zaire. I think. Oh, I, uh, I agree he, with you completely. Watching I mean, that game, Ka- Kaiser took them down first drive touchdown, and then you pull him for his error. Like I know coaches script plays, but like man, that's not. You just started the season. You got a good. I figured you want to kind of. Brian Kelly knows more about football than I do, but I just felt like the switching of the quarterbacks for so long was just it was just stalling when they were getting offensive momentum i think they would have beaten texas if he plays the oh, whole time i i agree with you completely it's it's a completely different team when when you have him in there as compared to when you have zaire i mean you want to talk about poise you know like yeah. zaire just didn't really have it you know like he scrambled he looked he, he just didn't look like he got his feet set didn't feel confident and i mean when you have that from your quarterback like the guys around you aren't going to feel confident either you know like if, but if he comes in there and he comes in the huddle and he knows what's up, and he's like, you know what, guys, we got this. Um, you know, the entire team's going to feel better. So it always feels, yeah, it always feels like it always feels like the backup quarterback for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame always ends up becoming the better one. Like, remember they started with Dane Christ in 2010, mm-hmm. but then it was like, oh, but Tommy Reese is actually better, and then Tommy Reese became the guy, but then Everett Golson was better behind him. And then it was Zaire behind Golson, and then it was Kaiser behind Zaire, and now Kaiser's the guy. It's so weird how he, Brian Kelly, always seems to end up moving on to the next guy before the other guy like <laughs> finishes. It's it's, it's, all right. it's just that's weird. a lesson to all you kids out there. If you want to start games, go and be the backup for Notre Dame. <laughs> you will get your shot. Yeah. So all right. So uh, matchups here. You mentioned picking on a side of the secondary. And the biggest question I have about this MSU team offensively is can they even hit the big play? You mentioned can they throw downfield to, to Donnie Corley. I don't know. We haven't we haven't seen it. 
No. So it's only been one game. It's like you know we talked about with Furman. I don't know if this team can hit the big play. The, they had five plays of at least twenty yards against Furman. I think three of those were passes, but one of those was was the bubble screen to Monty Medeiros. So can they hit the big play? Because this is a Notre Dame team that is susceptible to the big play. Texas hit them with a lot of big plays, especially in the passing game. The difference is. MSU doesn't have a speed a track speedster like John like Texas had John Burt who could run deep every time and get open every single time. I don't know if this MSU if these MSU wide receivers can do it. It's I, I a lot a lot of questions about that part of the matchup. Can they can they throw the ball downfield and open things up? I don't know. It's it's going to be I mean that's one of those we're gonna have to wait and see type of things, unfortunately. Um you know, it's very, very obvious that that is where the weakness of Notre Dame's defense is. Um, you know, they're, they, obviously they gave up, you know, Notre Dame, they gave up, you know, yards to, uh, to I, f- I forget his name off the top of my head, but Texas's run first quarterback. Um, uh, God, what is his name? Do you remember what his name Wait, was? Wait, uh, uh, Tyrone Swoops? Yes, Swoops. So, you know, he obviously took advantage of uh, some of the run and the scramble there. But, you know, those big plays, you know, the reason that you have a, a true freshman quarterback able to get that is because he could take advantage of that. It. I, I really hope that Tyler O'Connor spent the entire time, as soon as he was done with Furman, like turn on that Notre Dame-Texas game and, and keep watching that to see what – you know, what Buckley was able to do in that game to take advantage of Buchel. Buchel. I know. I I didn't know how to say it forever until that game, but I remember how to say it because it's Buchel, and they also have a a wide receiver um, with the name – or they have, like, a defensive player who I think is Rochelle because then I thought of Rochelle Rochelle from Seinfeld. <laughs> so that, that's how I remember Shane Buchel because I, I think right. I tweeted during the, that game. I said, uh, Buchel, Buchel. A young, a young freshman's journey from San Antonio to Austin just <laughs> to play quarterback for Texas. So anyway, all right, there we go. Good. So Bouchelle was able to take advantage of that. O'Connor needs to, you know, needs to become, you know, Bouchelle Bouchelle 2.0 uh, to be able to do that. And you know, I have faith. You know, there was a lot of really good stuff that came out of camp about Donnie Corley. Like he seemed to be the one that everybody was talking about. He seemed to be the like. Uh, the heir apparent to like that MSU wide receiver that people were talking about. And, you know, I, I, I've heard plenty of stories of him being able to be fast. Now is O'Connor going to be able to get him the ball? Is O'Connor going to use his eyes to look to the other side of the field maybe once and not stare down his number one guy? I mean, that would be great to see. And I think that's, you know, that's really what needs to happen in order to be able to take care of Notre Dame. Cause if, if we try to do what we did against Furman or if it's check down city, um, I I do not see this being a great day for Michigan State. Yeah, and, and even in the running game, I mean, I think it was something like 75 of, of L.J. Scott's rushing yards came after contact, and and Andre London did not do much of anything in the running game, so questions on that side, too, against a, a talented Notre Dame front is are they going to be able to protect O'Connor, and are they going to be able to run the ball um, I I'm curious if I if they will break out some more option. It, it sounded like O'Connor thought he might run the ball more. Maybe we'll see Damian Terry packages. I think you'll see MSU open up the playbook more. O'Connor yeah. can run too. Like that right, that, right. that boy that boy can get down like he's not going to run like Kaiser is, but I mean he can move and he can make yeah. some plays happen with his feet. So Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so that's gonna be something to watch for. Just a lot of questions can guys get open can, can they i mean we i feel like i'm just always repeating myself by saying we have questions but the fur like <laughs> the Furman the Furman game did not answer many of those questions and and if if they can't if they can't get the big play against Notre Dame I, this isn't the offense that's gonna be able to go down the field i think in 12 plays if you got to go something like 12 plays every drive to get a touchdown that's not the way to go i mean Thinking and dunking is one thing, but you have to you have to get the big plays to get touchdowns, and that's I think going to be the biggest key for the MSU offense is, is can they get big plays? Because exactly. that 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 was a that was a problem in the running game last year, and now we don't know if they can do it in the passing game this year. Yeah. It, what's your biggest offensive key? 
Uh, I mean, we really hit on a lot of it. I think that um, the offensive line, the offensive line does not have to be dominating. Like, I'm not expecting for them to give with the body as the size uh, that Notre Dame has, and the like, the inexperience with the line. Like, I'm not delusional to think that it's just going to be, you know, they're going to give O'Connor like seven seconds in the pocket. Like, you know, give him enough time to be able to get the receivers downfield a little bit. Um, you know, open it up a little bit. LJ Scott is a very talented running back. We all know this. Like, he can break tackles. Um, I don't want him to have to get, you know, like 100 yards after contact because uh, that just doesn't really that doesn't really play well uh, for, for a Michigan State victory. But um, I think that it really comes down to, you know, I've said it multiple times. I wrote about it multiple times. It's, it, it's going to fall on the shoulders of Tyler O'Connor. He's going to have to play a lot better than he did against Furman if he wants to have a chance to add another big uh, add another big Michigan State win to to his to his resume as a starter um, yeah I mean you think about uh, I mean MSU won six straight in Notre Dame at one point from the from the late 90s to the mid or late 2000s I mean I wrote a story about it before that 2009 game I mean the QBs who won were what 97 it was Todd Schultz 99 Bill Burke 2001 Jeff Smoker 2003 Jeff Smoker 2005 Drew Stanton and 2007 Brian Hoyer and then since then you've had two of MSU's best quarterbacks ever in in uh, in Kirk Cousins and Connor Cook and yeah. one we were able to do it although Cousins nearly drove them for a game winning touchdown at Notre Dame for through a bad interception yeah at the very end but uh yeah so it'll be interesting to see how he can learn from that I mean he's a fifth year guy but he hasn't he hasn't start I mean. I mean, I guess he just started Ohio State last year, but uh, he's going to have to pass. He's going to have to. He's going to be asked to do a lot more than he. Yeah. Than last. Than I just, was- I just hope we start taking those because you know, D'Antonio, he's got like. We could try to get cute. Like, there's always those little plays that that you know, like the, you know, a, a reverse, a jet sweep, something you're not expecting. You know, whether it be to to get some of the momentum on Michigan State side, I just hope that we don't have to res- rely on those types of things to be able to sort of open up the game. Like, you know, I'd rather pull a Penn State and be able to, you know, have a, have a lineman be able to get a touchdown, you know, when we're up by a lot of points, as opposed to trying to do that to, you know, shoot some life into the well, team. Well, like, think, about, think about that 2013 game. Do you remember RJ Shelton threw an interception on a wide receiver reverse pass? Exactly. And I remember I, uh, I tweeted something about that, about how he had the worst quarterback rating in the country or something like that. And I think R.J. Shelton saw that and didn't like it. And Damian Terry thought it was funny, but then I felt bad. Because <laughs> he was, what, he was a freshman at the time. Yeah. But that, that was a very dumb call. That was a very, very dumb call by the Michigan State coaches to have R.J. Shelton throw that. Also, Shelton shouldn't have thrown it because it was into coverage. But you can all, I mean, in this series, you can always count on Dan Turner to try something. It was... 2011 when they ran the most obvious fake field goal ever and got stuffed. Yeah. Uh, so be interesting to see if he tries something else because you know Notre Dame, of all teams, Notre Dame is going to be ready for some sort of trick. Oh, so I don't, Brian, that, Kelly, Brian Kelly is just waiting for it. I don't, He's like, he knows it's going to happen. I don't know if that's the team to try them out on based on how the last few ones have gone. <laughs> exactly. So uh, other side of the ball, Kaiser, Notre Dame's offense against MSU defense. Ed Davis... What up, Ed? It's officially back, and I would like to uh, thank you all the people who got my Gordon Bombay joke on Twitter that I did. I didn't think anybody would get it, but a lot of you actually did. I, I was very proud of that one. And, uh, and uh, yeah, about referencing Dean Portman coming back for the in D3 Mighty Ducks. Yes. And the, and so, anyway, he's back. <laughs> no, 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 that's no, that's no. Anyway, like we need, I, I'll, I'll give you the clap. Like anytime you can get a Mighty Ducks reference in there, and any Emilio Estevez is good. Actually, Emilio Estevez. After I did that, I ended up going down a YouTube hole of Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I got to Hans, and I got to Hans's funeral, and I got super sad because that's like that, like when people talk about movies that make guys cry or something like that. Hans's funeral in Mighty Ducks three always gets me. I, um, I, I, I'm not much of – I don't get to Brian's song or, or some of the other ones don't get me, but Hans's, Hans's funeral gets me at E3. Uh, see, that, that, that's what we'll do on the next podcast. We'll, we'll each think of the three saddest sports movies moments that we can think of. It's a good bye week thing. 
Oh, man. Well, well, we might be able to do it week one next year. So no football. Cry at some sports movies. But anyway. All right. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, yeah, Ed Davis is back. D'Antonio says he'll play. We don't really know what percent he's at. It's been more than a year since he played a uh, – it's been – I mean, I'm sorry. It's been almost two years, yeah. two years and a half since he played a game, since we saw him actually play in a game. So who really knows what to expect? He may be – I mean, he's a lot older and more mature probably than he was the last time we saw him. But linebackers weren't totally a problem against Furman. Riley Bulla was um, was good. Uh, uh, Dowell had a nice interception. He had some tackles. Little he, he also stuff. has some fan clubs. He he has a fan club in in the people that follow the only colors on on Twitter. Yes. That man they they were they were yelling at me last week. It was like write an article about Dowell. <laughs> like so, good job out there, man. Um, John Reschke is reportedly ready to go. The uh, Mike Trussell said today Wednesday said Reschke's good to go. So, and you're adding Ed Davis to the mix. So the linebackers should be good there. Defensive line. We talked about it, how um, a lot of runs got past them into the linebackers. So we'll be interested to see if they can get more pressure on a QB with themselves. Yeah. Defensive backs, we've talked about a lot. We kind of know what you got with them. Thoughts on the matchup between Kaiser, his inexperienced wide receivers, and MSU's defense. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a very different game uh, than Furman. Uh, you know, one of one of the bullish comments was, you know, after the game, we talked about it last week, is that he wasn't they the defense wasn't really expecting the plays that were going to be called. Um, I mean, that's what happens when you play a team like that. That's you know where you can get tripped up. There is they could they could be surprising. I don't think it's going to be as surprising uh, with Notre Dame. They're just a good they're a good football team with very talented players, and, and so you know it's it comes down to a doing your job. Uh, what I see as the best option for Michigan State on defense and the best way to really protect the liability that is Hicks in the secondary is um, is uh, with Malik McDowell being able to uh, cover the ground that he does, create the disruption that he does. It's going to be on uh, the other guys in the defensive line to step up, uh, but not necessarily just try to get a, a ton of pressure. Like, they should their main focus should be containing Kaiser because he can beat you on your feet. If you let if you let you know you let Malik do his thing up in the middle and just really cause cause some mayhem and then you get a little bit of Ed Davis, this is where I see he's going to be used because you know D'Antonio said that he will play, not sure how much he's going to play. You know, the big question anytime you have a guy coming back from this long without having that game time, you know, that game speed experience is some sort of a re-injury, pulling a hamstring, which would be just the worst. We would never want to see that. But I think that he's going to be worked into some very exotic blitzing schemes. Um, you know, let you know, let Bulla sit back, let him make the tackles, let him sit back in coverage, which he's really good at doing. And, you know, you know, put Davis on some blitzes. Like, give him some schemes to be able to try to get in there and, and get, um, get Kaiser moving. Because he could throw well on the move i mean he dropped some dimes in that texas game that were just insane balls uh but if we could get him on the move and don't give him the time to be able to set his feet um you know we don't have to you know i'm not talking like a you know a, a denard we have to sack him and hold him to negative rushing yards you know I, he's going to make some plays he's that good but if we can contain him and just get him to move around in the pocket a little bit i think that's really the key there because if we give him time to be able to pick on Hicks, he will pick on Hicks all day. And, um, you know, unless Hicks magically figures out how to turn his head around, um, there's going to be almost as much laundry uh, on the field as, as we've seen, you know, in years previous. And that's the thing that I'm probably the most scared about. That's what I talked about on the other podcast I was on this week about is... What other podcast? This is the only one I was talking Yeah, the only podcast. But the uh, the other ones that... that you know, the inferior um, Notre Dame podcast that I was on. Um, just kidding. You guys are great. But uh, what's up, Jimmy Clausen? Uh, but we, if if a ball is slightly underthrown and Kaiser knows where to put it so that, you know, there's going to be contact between a Hicks with his back to the ball and a wide receiver, you're going to get some, you know, you're going to get those, those penalties. And that's what scares me the most is, 
you know, those types of things that are going to happen on that third and long when it looks like Michigan State is starting to get some momentum and then, you know, they get that first down. You know, that's that's the ones. It's not the 15 yards that kills you. It's the fact that you are able to contain them for a couple of plays or for a drive or two and then they get a break. And, you know, he picked up two penalties against Furman. Like, you shouldn't have pass interference calls like that against Furman. And if we do that kind of stuff against Notre Dame, like... Uh, we're just we're just giving them free yards like that's what makes me really nervous but I I do have confidence with Davis being there and I think that it really it boils down to that containing uh containing while pressuring of Kaiser um because I don't think we're going to get blown off the ball I don't think it's going to be something like the you know you can't you're not going to be able to drive a semi through the holes that they're going to create um it, it's it really comes down to just getting him moving his feet. What do you think about that? What what do you what do you think with that matchup? Well, it, the I mean the best way to help your defensive backs is to get pressure on the quarterback, and exactly. that's why the 2009 defense suffered so much is because they could not get pressure on the quarterback. And I don't know if this defensive line itself can get enough pressure outside of McDowell. So I'm very interested to see how much. How much blitzing they do? I mean, that was Ed David. That was Ed Davis's. That's his top uh, skill is his ability to get to the quarterback. Exactly. So I'm be interested to see just how much MSU blitzes. But at the same time, if a guy like that gets out gets out of contain when you do that, then he's got a lot of room to make plays. So there's that balance between wanting to blitz and wanting to contain. And I I, I think back to the 2012 game when MSU just absolutely could not get to Everett Golson. Not even close. The offensive line just dominated MSU up front in, in which their blitzes were, were ineffective. And if they're ineffective, then you don't call them. Put more guys in coverage and try to play it that way. So it would be interesting to see how much pressure they can get on him, how much they blitz. Because if, if they don't get to him, I think he's going to – if they don't get to Kaiser, I think Kaiser's going to make a lot of plays – down the field he's a very good passer and MSU's defensive backs have a lot of question marks and they're going to be left on islands and that's just how MSU runs its its thing and they <laughs> when they get beat by good quarterbacks the whole idea behind the defense that Narduzzi installed was they're going to force college quarterbacks to make throws that most college quarterbacks can't make so when you play a Denard Robinson when you play uh, a Braxton Miller, guys who aren't great at throwing the ball, uh, they 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 don't. But when you play a guy like a Russell Wilson, and he tears you apart because he can make those throws, and I think Kaiser's a guy who can make those throws. So I think the biggest um, defensive key to me is 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 going to be if they can pressure the quarterback, and if that leads to and how that can how that if that helps the defensive backs um, because. I expect them to – I am not going to be surprised if they throw a bunch of deep balls again. D'Antonio remembers 20 times. That's how many deep balls that they threw in 2013. He brought it up at the press conference, but the question was even asked. Five pass interferences out of that, but only 142 passing yards. So they made plays, but they also committed some penalties. They also had some bad penalties that maybe shouldn't have been called. But when you play like – but those were – that was a very, very, very talented defensive backfield and one that MSU does not have this year. So are, are they going to be in position to make the plays? I don't know. I think I think it's going to come down to if they can get pressure and try to prevent those deep passes or, or disrupt those deep passes by getting pressure. That's the biggest defensive key to me. I I would agree with you right there. It's uh that's it it's just it's going to be interesting to see what they try to do. Like, you know, we're talking about all the stuff that we need to do. Like, if we look at our weaknesses, right? Like, if we take it from the other side and we look at how would Notre... If you're a Notre Dame coach, how are you going to try to exploit Michigan State's defense? Well, you're going to, you know, you're going to run the ball away from Malik McDowell and you're going to throw towards... Um, you're going to throw towards Hicks. And, you know, if if somebody else can step up and make some plays there uh, to, you know, make that pass harder to <laughs> harder to make... Um, so that it's not going to be just you know uh, this incredibly accurate pass. Give Hicks a chance to to make a play. Um, it, it could be it could be a, a game that's a lot closer than you know Vegas or other people are thinking it's going to be. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing, so talking about when you're looking at weaknesses, when I, when I, when I watched that Notre Dame-Texas game, two things jumped out to me as Notre Dame that Notre Dame struggled with on defense. Deep, deep passes and tempo. Yeah. Texas ran up tempo, and Notre Dame struggled with that. Now, what does MSU do? So far, they have not thrown the deep ball, and they they were thirty one. I think they were thirty one seconds per play against Furman, which is incredibly slow. And that was a criticism I had in twenty twelve when the offense struggled to move. Is how slow that they went, and they just were plotting and running clock. And I think it never allowed the offense to get into a rhythm because it was so long between plays. So I don't know if MSU, I don't expect MSU to increase the tempo very much because it's not really what they do, and I don't know if they can get big plays. So there are two weaknesses I, I think right there with Notre Dame that I don't think I don't think MSU can exploit. So uh, score score prediction you before the year uh, had them at twelve and zero. You had them winning this game. Do you still have that? Uh, I do. Um, it's it's something that I I think that. Uh... Um, I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to where the weaknesses have come in for um, the, the, the fact that they do have a weakness at corner and that I didn't see their, you know, I didn't see their defensive line as looking like some monster. You know, like when I've looked at some other games, like uh, <laughs> the game that I have less and less faith in, obviously it's not against a bunch of great teams, but looking at, like, say, Michigan's defensive line that is just making people look foolish right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't really notice that from Notre Dame, even against Nevada. Like, they really didn't, like, push him around and just, you know, just own that battle the entire time. So I think that we can give enough pressure. We have we have players that can make plays. It just depends on what they're going to. Um but I, I do think it's going to be a very close game. Um, all week I've been like circling around a couple of different numbers, but I think it's going to be a 27-24 to 24 victory for Michigan State. And it's definitely going to come down to, um, to plays being made in you know the second half of the fourth quarter. This is going to be one of those nail biters that's going to be close. It might not be close at halftime. I could see a team getting out to like a 10-point lead. But I just have a hard time thinking that this game is going to be anything less than decided by, you know, three or four points. Well, I do. I, I have them. I have Notre Dame winning 31-17. Okay. Notre Dame, Brian Kelly has been a puzzle that D'Antonio really hasn't been able to figure out. Uh, Notre Dame's won three straight in this series, and the only one they lost was that fake field goal so I think Brian Kelly's just generally had the upper hand when it comes to this thing I expect Notre Dame to throw a lot of deep balls that I don't know if MSU can cover um yeah I don't I don't think it'll it'll be close but not not very close I guess is my pick I've long considered this MSU's toughest game of the year I don't think their matchups are are very good so I think Notre Dame wins it somewhat uh somewhat comfortable comfortably so okay. now now uh look taking a look at the series as a whole a couple topics to hit as, as we wrap up yeah. this but some just some some fun stuff do you like this series i mean it, it's been two years since since it was since it was since it happened but it had been a series that had been played for decades do you like the series do you want it to be an every year thing what do you think about the Notre, the Notre dame michigan state series kind of in general do you do you like it i i do like it um i think that you know, when you have a lot of stuff when it comes to college football and where things are moving with uh, the college football playoff and playing these non-conference games, and, you know, really, if you want to have a shot to be able to get to the playoff, you need to have a strong non-conference schedule. Um, this Notre Dame team, um, they are perennial, perennially um, perceived as a team that can make some waves. Um, you know, they're not necessarily considered like a national championship favorite, obviously, like they have been in, you know, decades past. But the fact that they helped us so much get into the Big Ten, um, that we, you know, we do share, you know, the greatest game of the century with them. And there's, you know, the the runs that happen, the back and forth and the, the coaching, uh, the coaching legends that have come come along and, and really like solidified uh you know, solid had had those like sort of career games against each other. Um, I think it's a, a great one to have. Um, you know, it it doesn't hurt the strength of schedule. Um, I think that it's fun to be able to have that go back and forth. Um, you know, 
gives people that like to watch NBC a chance to watch a college football game with Michigan State. <laughs> you know, it's it it does it does a lot of things. So I mean, I'm I'm for it. I think we should keep it and you know figure out the the right place for it to go on the schedule. Yeah, I, I think it's a good series. It's it's for for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I don't know if I don't know if it needs to be an every year thing. I think I think two years on, two years off, if ideally would be the best way to go because now that the Big Ten is going to nine, now the Big Ten has nine conference games, you only get three non-conference games. Generally, I think the way you would want to handle that is one marquee game and maybe two cupcake or easier games. That's not the case for MSU this year. Uh, <laughs> or, or, but, but when you have series like Oregon, Boise State, Miami, Arizona State coming up, stuff like that, I think I think it's it's good to have a good mix, but also keep keep that noted. So maybe every two years, or two years on, two years off, I think it would be the ideal way I would handle it. That we kind of keep it going, but it's not maybe not an every year type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's it's a fun game. People really like it. You know, you always you always take a look at it. Um, you know, whether you're in town or out of town, it's always one of those ones you, you want to try to go to. You circle it on your calendar. Um, you know, looking at the games for this year, you know, it, it seems like it's, you know, with this on there, it, it, it feels right up there with like an Ohio State um, or like a Michigan uh, where you just get excited for it. And, you know, it, it's also one of those games that no matter how talented the teams are, um, you know, it always seems like, uh, either one really has a shot to be able to win it. Um, you know, so even with questions like you have, like Michigan State can totally pull this game out this year, um, you know, if, if certain things go right. So um, you never really feel out of it, and you always kind of get excited for it. So I'm, next, I'm, I'm glad it's back. Next question. Yeah. Is Rudy a good movie? Uh, like? You know, Rudy's fine. Rudy was offsides, so, I mean – if you really want to complain about something, Notre Dame fans, how could you stop complaining about whether that was a I, I delay a see... game, but you start complaining about the fact that Rudy should have never played, and it's kind of based on a dude no, that's no. not really a great guy, well, and it's so not that, true. So. Well, that, that's, that's on, well, I'm asking just the movie. Ah. Just the movie. I, I still don't think – I've never seen anything to make me think he was offside. I always thought that was just a joke thing. I don't know. But just the movie, yeah, see, what he has done – as a person in recent years has not been good, but just the movie itself. Do you like watching the movie? I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. Like there, one of, one of my best friends, his name is drew. He's a diehard Notre Dame fan, married a Michigan state fan. So at least, you know, their daughter has a chance at being all right. But you know, he, 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 uh, he turns it on every single, every single fall. And, and I'm always there to watch it. So, I, I still pay attention, and you can't help but like kind of tear up a little bit when everybody's like dropping their jerseys on the coach's desk. Like that's just one of those things that just makes you feel good. Like it kind of does. It's it's a great movie. Yeah. I, people like to ham on it because people like it. I don't know. It's a great movie. It's it's not the part with the jerseys that gets me. It's it's the part when he when he finally gets into the school. On oh his yeah. Last chance when he's sitting when he's sitting on the bench there. Uh, that that's the part that gets me. Plus, the music is great, great, great music, and throughout the movie, uh, it, it's it's a good movie. People yeah. like hate on it because people like to do things ironically, but no, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie. It's um, good. So last week's Central Michigan Oklahoma State finish. Woo! Uh, Central Michigan completes a hail mary lateral, but the play shouldn't happen because of intentional grounding. It should have ended the game. Uh, what do you, what do you th- should I'm not going to say should CMU forfeit like the CMU or like the Oklahoma State student paper said because that was ridiculous. Yeah. But thoughts on the rules? I personally, I think the rule needs to be changed in the sense that the idea of being able to end the game on intentional grounding is kind of d- dumb. Like I, I by the rule, Central Michigan shouldn't have gotten the ball, but I think what Oklahoma State did should not be allowed either to just purposely commit a penalty to end the game. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that there's a lot of, I don't want to say blame, but there's a lot of things that could have happened. And, and I forget who it was. Um, uh, it may have been somebody on, on college football daily, uh, but they, you know, when you're looking at that, that play, 
Like, you're going to talk about that play, sure, and you're going to say, well, they shouldn't have had it. You know what? If you're an Oklahoma State fan, you did a lot of things in the game that allowed for Central Michigan to be close, okay? Like, a lot of other things could have happened. Also, uh, you mentioned on that note, I'm sorry to interrupt, but on that note, Oklahoma State's last touchdown was on a fourth and one run near the goal line. They were flagged for holding and a clear holding, and the ref picked it up. I don't know know how... uh... I don't know why how they decided to pick that up, but Central got got screwed a little bit there too on Oklahoma State's last touchdown. Yeah, and and I mean you know like there's a lot of things to be passed along there. Now obviously the play should not have counted, and if you're going to if you're Oklahoma State, like it it sort of reminds me of what D'Antonio said after the Nebraska loss, right? Just go out there, do your job, and you know you, you like Oklahoma State, you basically still have a chance if you want to go to the playoffs and you're an Oklahoma State player or fan or coach if you win the rest of your games and you beat everybody else in the big 12 the selection committee will probably look at that game and go the yeah. play shouldn't counted and yeah. it's not like it's going to we're not dealing with computers that are going in there um you know it's like good this is people that understand what the rules are you might not have a season that says undefeated but who cares if you're going to the playoff um the the thing that i just love is you know central michigan the uh, it reminded me of the fact that they had that, that crazy last-minute lateral-filled play. And get this. In the Bahamas Bowl. And get this. The guy who caught the ball and lateraled it in the Oklahoma State game was the guy who made the first catch and lateral in that Bahamas Bowl game. Booyah. Same guy, Jesse, Jesse Kroll. Jesse Kroll. See, it's good. Go for it, man. Like, like go, go chips. Way to be, guys. Like, you're going to come back and... In, in the Bahamas against Western Kentucky, and then you're going to do it against Oklahoma State? Like, hey, th- bottles were popping in Mount Pleasant on Saturday. you got to feel good about that. So Yeah, and good for CMU. They're 2-0, and and John Bonamigo is doing a good job there. And uh, Western's 2-0. and That's going to make for a really entry. A good, That's going to make a, a, an interesting Central-Western game this year. Yeah, they, they play in a couple weeks, actually. Um, so Central's good. Uh, Western's good. Michigan's good. MSU seems pretty good. We'll find out more on Saturday, but... Uh, Anything me, else you I, yeah. I want to ask you a question, not yeah. about Michigan State, but I know that you're you're obviously a big coach guy. What are your thoughts on Row the Boat and 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 PJ? That's an energetic dude. I, I <laughs> talked to him a couple times at Mac Media Day back when he got hired and back yeah. when after they went one and eleven and and now that now that they're winning, but his his demeanor's never changed. He's always, he's always been the same wacky guy. It's not it's not surprising that he's pulling in the best recruiting classes some of the best recruiting classes in mac history because that's that guy is just very motivational and he fires you up you can you can see why kids want to end up going to play for him and funny thing about row the boat i was curious last year because i, I was curious if, if fleck was getting looked at for jobs if he would if he takes another job if row the boat goes with him so someone pointed out to me that row the boat is trademarked by the school western not Ooh. him i don't know it's possible in his contract he gets it if he leaves it's possible but i think western technically owns it and you think about all the ore related jerseys and helmets and everything that they've had if he leaves are they just gonna like scrap all that or are they gonna keep row the boat or is he gonna take row the boat I'm, I'm very curious to see how that would go that's if fleck ends up taking another job that's a it's a meaningless subplot that i will <laughs> that I will be looking at. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I actually spent a lot of time, um, I had a lot of friends uh, who went to Western, and it's why I spent a lot of time there, and I had a, uh, a fake, uh, well, not a fake Western ID. Somebody lost their Western ID, and the dude looked like me. So I got into all the football games for free. That's the benefit of a Mac <laughs> pretty, school. I think that's fraud, by the way. Okay, sorry. I hope nobody, <laughs> sorry, Western Michigan. I probably owe them money and parking fees still, too, but... <laughs> But I was there for like the Cubit years, and those were just like it just wasn't exciting. Um, they were and, decent with him, never like great, but they yeah. Were but okay. I mean, you know, this last one, especially the fact that I mean, it's their first bowl win, like like ever, really, right? I think it was their first bowl win ever this yeah. past year, yeah. and like good for them, good good job, Western. Uh, it's always nice to see in-state Mac schools sort of sort of get a get a little bit of get a little bit of shine because if we do end up playing him again. Again, good job, strength of schedule. It'll, they'll be competitive. So, yeah. Anything else you wanted to hit on uh, MSU Notre Dame? No, I'm super stoked to watch this game and the night I'm, game. Woo! Um, Mike Tarico will be on the call. So that's yeah. Be, good like job, it. Mike Tarico. So 
right. So right. that'll do it here. Thanks, guys, for listening. Make sure you follow. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Let us know what you think. Feedback. Uh, Dom's on Twitter at Dom Garrett. I'm at Chris Renini. There's also at The Only Colors. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See you. See you, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.